0: to make it three! (laughs) Scintillating football by the Chicago Fire! Finding Herbers,
1: Fabian Herbers is in again and Fabian Herbers has scored again! A man on fire!
0: Hello everybody, welcome into episode 12 of the Intercontinental Football Show. Myself, the voice of the Premier League for NBC, Arlo White joined as usual but this time in a different location in phoenix arizona tyler terrence what goes in phoenix stays in phoenix you're on a bachelor party i understand tyler but one thing you can talk about is your delay at the airport what on earth went on there
1: oh so you know this is the only uh part of my trip that i will share publicly uh with the group as as arlo just said you know what what is going to go down in scottsdale will stay in scottsdale but you know, my travels got started with, you know, I brought my golf clubs with me. We're going to play a couple of rounds here. And I didn't know. I, usually, I typically fly, you know, I didn't know with American you had to be there 45 minutes before your flight um, in order to check a bag. I missed that. So I had to take a later flight. And then lo and behold, I get off that later flight and the airport is basically on lockdown in Phoenix, at, at Phoenix Harbor. And there were some rumors swirling around about a suspicious item, a possible bomb threat. And obviously, you know, a million different thoughts are running through your mind. Um, so I decided I'm not going to be kept in this building. You couldn't get down to baggage claim. There was no traffic coming in and out of the airport. So I was like, I'm not going to be stuck in this building while there's a suspicious package being checked out inside of the building. That seems like nonsense that they were keeping us there and they wouldn't tell us what was going on. That was just hearsay. So I decided to find a stairwell and just basically find my way back out, but I still had to wait for my bags to come out on the other end. Um, you know, I basically ended up getting off the plane it was about an hour and 15 minutes or so, um, and obviously knew that we we needed to record the pod, and you know the the debauchery was was starting without me. So uh, <laughs> frazzled, I think, is the word of the day. And uh, and yeah, now I finally made it. Everything was cleared, and uh, I was able to to get my bags and and finally get to the Airbnb, and and hopefully the start of a of a smooth next forty eight hours. But my my trip from O'Hare to Harbor to the Airbnb was was anything but smooth.
0: So the debauchery has started downstairs and this is the last bit of information that we will hear out of you. You're going to go dark for 48 hours. Listen, you have a great time. Have a fantastic time. These, these weekends with your mates in this situation, they're, they're the best times you can have. Well, look, you are listening everybody to the, the, the biggest moving podcast (laughs) in the football world the Intercontinental Football Show on the Apple chart. Am I right in saying it's the Apple Apple Podcast chart? Yes, you are
1: correct, Arlo. And I, so we look. We went over this before the show, and I just checked it. We are now ranked number seventeen on that chart. What? Yesterday at <laughs> two a.m. At two a.m. We got those late night listeners. We were number 10 on the Apple podcast,
0: United States of America, soccer podcast charts. So wow. That is Holy incredible. Macro. So we had gone up 167 places to number 46, but yesterday alone, 2 a.m., That's like midnight college. you remember that show I'm showing my age? That, that show from the 80s and 90s, you Good left, Night America, wherever you, you are. So we're the we're the midnight. We're, we're, we're brilliant. We're, we're so popular with overnight truckers. We must be. <laughs> it must be those guys on the freeway at 2 a.m. Overnight so, hello, trucker, wherever (laughs) yeah, yeah, wherever you are on, on Route 66, yeah, we salute you. In America, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, so episode 12, we're going to reflect on a heartbreaking late loss for, for the Fire against the New England Revolution, who, it has to be said, are by far, in terms of points, the best team in Major League Soccer in the regular season. We'll look ahead to the second-best team currently in the East and the next matchup for the Fire, which is against Nashville. Uh, we'll have a Premier League preview, massive weekend coming up, including A-Dubs Chelsea against Manchester City. And then, Tyler, you're going to take us through an exciting announcement uh, regarding the League's Cup and the future of it as of next season with Major League Soccer Clubs and Liga MX Clubs. And they're going to carve out an actual window for that to, to, mm. to expand the tournament, which is which is interesting. And my old club, Seattle Sounders, lost it in the final last night against uh, Lyon. So let's get started. Soldier Field, um, 3-2 defeat, last minute, well it was injury time tyler wasn't it yeah. and you kind of bash your head against the wall don't you thinking how on earth did the fine not at least get a point but actually at 2-2 had some amazing chances to take all three was it was it a tale of the season in a nutshell yeah. in that 90 minutes or 92 minutes
1: it it has to be and you know there was no better sort of encapsulation of that than um my mother who was actually hanging out with uh, tony and i in the booth you know we set her up with the you know the spare headset and she was listening to the game and Um, you know, she comes away from it and she watches most of the fire games and she goes, Oh, like, I can't believe they lost that. Like they dominated the second half. She doesn't know a ton about soccer, but she knows enough. And, and I said, I really wasn't surprised. I mean, this is literally how almost every single game for the fire has gone, particularly at home sometimes where it's either a late equalizer, it's a late game winner from the opposition, they dominate towards the end of the game, they have a ton of chances that they potentially could have and should have finished off and they just fall short. I mean that has literally been, you know, that's a microcosm of of quite literally the entire season for the Fire. Yeah, there have been some one-off results and and stuff like that. You think about the Nashville game, you know, 5 to 1 in some games where, you know, you never really felt like they were in it, but this was another instance of, you know, battling with with the best team in Major League Soccer, albeit it must be said, Bruce Arena made 9 changes, 9 to the starting 11 that he rolled out against the Columbus crew just three days prior. I mean, you look at their starting 11, and there were only two who were typical starters in Henry Kessler and Matt Turner. But, you know, the fire hung in there. It was 1-1 at halftime. They bring on Carlos Hill and, and Gustavo Bo at halftime. It was it was slopping in the first 10 to 15 minutes, and I think that in large part due to the fact that Gastoni Menez, Federico Navarro, and Alvaro Madron had never played together before. So I think that they were still yeah. trying to figure out, you know, where they were going to be on the field, how it was going to look, and, and the like. But... Um, you know, after the first 10 15 minutes, New England get their goal. The fires settle in, they get their goal off a of set piece. Carlos Tehran with his first goal in major league soccer. Kudos to him because he's been playing like a bull and, and he certainly deserves it. So, you head into the second half, and first 10 minutes of the second half, all New England. Carlos heel and Gustavo Bo come on and totally change the game. Gustavo Bo is, you know, top five in the golden boot race right now, he's got 12 goals and four assists. Carlos Heel. Um, now with three goals and 16 assists on, on the season he missed seven games and this is a man who's probably going to win mvp um you know with only having played let's call it 27 games this year which is pretty remarkable so first 10 minutes of the second half and and the fire struggling to deal with bow and heel there's there's no getting around that and then you head into you know basically after they get their second goal in the form of teal bunbury which you know you talk about route 66 how about route one i mean it's matt turner flick on header teal bunbury goal on the other end it was as direct as football as you could possibly get from bruce arena's side for the second goal and then the fire respond almost instantaneously instantaneously with gastoni Menez, and a, a great way to sort of welcome him back after his suspension and the best way to silence your critics is to do with your feet and he did just that so then from there the fire dominate put new england under a ton of pressure nacho aliceta shot that's cleared off the line Lucas stojanovic header that's held by matt turner um Aliceta toe poke in the penalty area. That's, that's saved by Turner. Matt Turner stood on his head for, for, you know, a number of a number of plays throughout the second half. And then Carlos Heel gets into the penalty area in the 91st minute. And just, you know, after a, a bullish run from Tejan Buchanan where he was just shedding fire defenders left and right, Heel gets into the area. Miguel Navarro does everything that he could, which is shade him to his right foot. You know, he some premier league fans will remember at Aston Villa, you know, Three years, about 28 appearances, you know, didn't have mm. his best in the Premier League, came up to the Valencia Academy, made some appearances for them in La Liga, but he has found his footing in Major League Soccer. And Miguel Navarro gave him his right, one little step over to his left foot, gets it onto his right, and beats Gaga Slonina in the top right corner. And then New England clinched their postseason berth on September 22nd with still eight games to play, which is pretty astonishing. But again, just Arlo, like you said, I mean, this has been the story of the season for the Fire. There were a number of different, um, you know, changes that Bruce Arena made. But nevertheless, you know, the Fire had a number of chances to win this game and they just simply couldn't put the finishing touches on it.
0: And that's a massive shame. Um, You know, yes, yes, the Revs did make a lot of changes. Bruce Arena, you know, rotating his squad. But that's a team that is 15 points clear of second place, Nashville, in the Eastern Conference. And they're 13 points clear in the race for the supporters' shield. So they have, like you've said, on our on our group chat, they've got excellent DPS. They make a they make a difference in the game uh, games that they play. Carlos heal played played very well when when he came onto the pitch. Look, you know, I thought Toran's header was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mike Turner may have felt that he could have kept that out, but I think it was great to see Toran scoring off a off a set piece. I thought Chinoso uh, a four having with the flick that didn't quite come off. He 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 retained his poise in yeah. teeing up. Jimenez um, for the equaliser at 2-2 and I thought that was I thought was a nice bit of play by the centre forward and then a, a neat finish by Jimenez and then like you say that litany of missed chances it was it was so frustrating I don't I'd be interested to get Tony's view on on um, Gab Slalina and and the winning goal I mean he I think he had another assured game from the highlights that I've mm-hmm. seen I just wonder at the near post Said, did he make himself a little bit smaller than he he perhaps could? I mean, what was Tony's expert opinion?
1: Yeah, so that was basically the first thing that I asked him as soon as we got off air was, you know, should Gaga have done better? And he sort of looked at me and he shook his head and winced a little bit. I mean, yeah, when a keeper gets beat near post, that's basically the first thing that people are going to say. And you look at all the, you know, nonsensical Instagram and Twitter comments when Major League Soccer posted the game-winning goal from Heal. Everybody's saying, you know, what is the goalkeeper doing? But at the end of the day, Heal is three and a half, four yards away from goal. And it's on his less preferred yeah. right foot, but the shot still had a plenty of power on it. And if you're Gaga Salonina, you're number one anticipating that he's going to bring that back across the face of goal. Most likely number two, he, he got barely a fingertip to it just because it was so close in proximity. So Tony basically just said that there's not a ton that he can do when it's that close. The, you know, the time to react is almost is, is minuscule. So he really didn't say that it was, that it was his fault. I think that Gaga will, will, Learn from it and he'll look at the tape with Aiden Brown, the goalkeeper coach of the fire, and and he'll probably bang his head against the wall and say, I should have done better. But um, he's 17 years old. It's his third start. And I think that, you know, you might see him make that save next year or maybe in the next game. But, um, you know, Tony basically just said it it wasn't his fault. There were a number of things in that game that, you know, Led to to that to that game winner happening, but uh, unfortunate for Salonina, who I thought had a good game and made a couple, you know, made that one big double save uh, where he made himself big and then got down for the curlers. So you know, again, just really frustrating. And for for Gagas Lunina, he's getting a fir- full dose of what Major League Soccer is all about. You know, on the road to Montreal, two goals that he couldn't do anything about, and then going up against a very good New England team and and conceding three. So. Um, you know these are invaluable experiences for a 17-year-old goalkeeper, and um, and it's just unfortunate the Fire couldn't couldn't eke out a result for for a number of Fire fans who who I, I, dare I say braved the elements on September 22nd. It was chilly. You know the Chicago let you know that summer was over. It was it was a chilly night. I had my I had my normal Fire a uh, big big winter jacket on, but um, it was a fun night at Soldier Field just to be back there and and a very entertaining game, certainly from a neutral party standpoint. But um, you know drop points for the Fire at home uh, certainly doesn't feel good.
0: Sounds like a night for some nice soup at halftime. Some spicy, chunky tomato? Yeah, Yeah. or some, you know, chicken broth or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so the gap to the player positions remains 12 points. There are now only eight games remaining. It It is the tallest of tall orders, but it isn't impossible. So... Second place Nashville come in. We've just entertained the New England Revolution, the best team in Major League Soccer, and the second best team, at least in the East, come into town. It's a noon kickoff. But Nashville bring a, a separate sort of challenge, don't they? And I think the fire hopefully will be driven and motivated by the shellacking they took in Nashville earlier this season, which as you say, is one of the few games where they've been completely blown out. It was a horrible first-half performance. But can you see the fire getting something out of this game on Sunday, Tyler?
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. And and like you said, Nashville sort of a totally different proposition than New England, right? I mean, Nashville is a very slow, methodical, pragmatic team that makes the game ugly at times. And... Um, extremely well drilled in the defensive arts and in the dark arts for that matter, by Gary Smith and Walker Zimmerman um and, and company do an excellent job on the back line. Hani Mukhtar, it, you can make the argument as making an MVP case. I don't think he'll get it, but he's certainly making a case. CJ Sapong, you know, the fires old friend, um, you know, hit double digits on the in the score tally. So um good for CJ and, and glad that he found a a home and somewhere he's comfortable with in Nashville. And, and you know, he's a great guy and and I'm glad to see him succeeding. But this is a Nashville group that um is coming off of a 5-1 win at Inter Miami and they're they're confident, you know, they feel good about themselves, you know, they're just trying to make sure that they can lock up the second seed which it looks like they're they're potentially going to do but um, you might see some more rotation from Gary Smith and you know it's not it's know it's just unfortunate the way that the fire have been playing and that teams are sort of coming into soldier field and sometimes saying okay we can you know make a couple of changes here and there bring some guys on at halftime and see if we can get a result so the fire need to take advantage of of the first half when maybe these teams are making some rotations and and try to put some teams away i mean we've seen quick starts at soldier Field um before this year we saw them a lot last year a lot of goals coming in the first 15 minutes so a quick start will certainly behoove them and um you know, it's going to be a grind against a team that's very stout defensively. Um, you know, obviously Dax McCarty runs the show in the middle of the field. Um, a fellow ginger Arlo, so I'm sure uh, yeah. you know, you'll be able to relate to him. And yeah, big fan of Dax McCarty. I'm, he's he's a great guy. It has, he no it has no it has soul. He has no soul. But I like that's, him. He's a nice guy. Yeah, you, that's redundant. He's. I already said he's ginger. Everybody knows he doesn't have a soul. Yeah, so, that goes yeah, without yeah. saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That was that was mean.
0: I'm uh, just. I'm, I I made that. I initially made the joke. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I've embraced my gingerness from a very early age. As you should,
1: you just gotta, you just gotta mm. take it for what it is. That's all it is. Yeah, That's all it is. Um, but anyway, for the fire, you know, the good thing about this condensed schedule, short memory, be a goldfish and, and just dust yourself off and move on to the next game. You know, you still got two more games left at home, Nashville, and then another really good team in NYCFC. So So um, a, a big test for Raphael Wiki's crew. It continues to test their character um, and, and sort of what they have left in the tank to, to try to continue to fight for the fire fans, fight for the city of Chicago. And, they have a really good test against the number two team in the East. And they continue to prove that they can battle with these teams. But, you know, getting a result would obviously feel better than, mm-hmm. uh, than no points at the end of 90 minutes.
0: Yeah, and I like what Johnny Bornstein said after the game. Look, you know, the, the results have been disappointing, but the guys have fought and they will mm-hmm. always fight uh, for the crest, for the shirt, for the city of Chicago. And with eight games remaining three of them are at home and two of those are in the next few days so Sunday noon kickoff against Nashville and then Wednesday evening against NYCFC and then there's only one more home game the 24th of October uh, and that is against Real Salt Lake so the games are starting to run out if you want to go and see some live MLS action for your Chicago Fire then get your tickets sorted out because the opportunities are running out for the 2021 season
1: Arlo, it's just some gears here. Let's talk some Premier League. We got some uh, mighty fine, delicious mouthwatering fixtures ahead of us this mm. weekend. Um, you are unfortunately not on the Chelsea City game. I would have loved to wake up early in the morning oh. and, and hearing you on, on that call. And I and I can just I can just see it in your in your eyes right now. Um, but this is this is a big game. And we talked yeah. about the Liverpool Chelsea game in terms of laying down a marker. The game didn't necessarily go as as the third party would expect, as probably either team would expect. And you know, with, um, you know, with the red card happening to Reese James, and then it sort of set the tone for the rest of the game. And you, you had the draw, you split the points. Now, As we've talked about, you know, our city legitimate contenders this year. Chelsea, as we've talked about, you can make the argument, are are the front runners right now aren't expected to to win the Premier League at this moment in time, early days. But this is a big game at Stamford Bridge where you sort of, you know, have to say if you're City, you know, we need to lay down a marker and remind everybody that we are Manchester City and that we're going to be in this fight. If you're Chelsea, you're at home, and this is a really fine opportunity to lay down your marker and say we are the class of the Premier League. We're the champions of Europe. And we have full control of the season right now.
0: It, this is going to be, I think, a real arm wrestle of a football match. Uh, it, it's going to be compelling. It's going to be thrilling. And it's. it kicks off at 6.30 Central Time to set your alarms for uh, Saturday morning. It's on NBCSN. I cannot tell you how devastated I am not calling this game but I think we've explained it before the 11.30 central game so the 5.30pm UK time game is more often than not on NBC and if it's on NBC we like to have ownership over the call and And the solid is that it's Brentford against Liverpool so I think that's mm. going to be a fantastic occasion as well I fancy Liverpool in that one but we'll uh, we'll get to that after after this game so I won't be on the call for Chelsea Man City it is a shame some more TV picks came through today. And I am doing a 12.30 kick-off local time and it is the Manchester derby. So we have managed yes. to have a look at that and switch that around. All so I can't right wait for that in a few weeks' time. Exactly. So this is an opportunity for Chelsea to go six points clear of Manchester City, even at this early stage of the season. Um, City dropped two points against Southampton. Unex- unexpectedly, you know they lost their opener against Tottenham Hotspur. They've come back with a few decent wins, you know, notably a couple of five nils, and then they went to Leicester and won one nil. But fair play to Southampton; they they held out for a nil nil draw at the Etihad, which was full as Pep wanted it to be. After criticising the you know, the smallish crowd uh, for the Champions League game, and and look that that could be a vital two points dropped. Then you go to Stamford Bridge and you're playing a Chelsea side under Thomas Tuchel who I just think are so tough. I mean, I describe them as a boa constrictor on the SNP, the Sunday night pod, which has had record amounts sauce. of downloads, by yeah. the way. Yeah, the secret sauce, the SNP, which we'll, uh, we'll do more of this season at various times. But they, they are a tough nut to crack, Chelsea. I've been so impressed by their toughness, their resilience. And they've got this the sprinkling of stardust as well to 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 beat the best of them. Tuchel's had it over Guardiola. They played each other three times these teams since yeah. Thomas Tuchel took over at Stamford Bridge, and Tuchel is three and zero, including of course the Champions League final, where Pep Guardiola inexplicably decided to play the game without a holding midfielder. And Mm -hmm. and then lo and behold, the winning goal is that gaping, it's almost like the Red Sea being parted uh, down the centre of the field. Um, Mason Mounts ball through to Kai Havertz and that that was the only goal of the game. So there's something about Tuchel. He has the upper hand on Pep Guardiola uh, in recent games. And I think this is going to be absolutely fascinating. I think we're going to know, again, I think I said about the the Liverpool-Chelsea game, we're going to know an awful lot more about these teams and their title aspirations at the full-time whistle at Stamford Bridge on let Saturday. Me, I can't wait for this one. It's going to be a fantastic tussle.
1: Let me ask you a question. So we've had some big moments and big sort of changing in the tides when it comes to football philosophies over the past decade or so, you know. Gone are the days of tiki-taka and Barcelona and Spain, where you're, you know, combining for you know over a thousand passes, and you know it's twenty five mm-hmm. passes before you score a goal. Leicester City, I think, broke the mold with that. Leicester <laughs> City, I think, you know, really broke the mold with that. And yeah. you know, when they when they won the league, then it was like, okay, you don't need to have the ball for seventy percent of the game. You can hit them on the counter if you have somebody like Jamie Vardy, and you know, you have guys who can who could sort of hit that killer pass. Then you can just sort of wear teams down a little rope-a-dope style. Are we seeing with Thomas Tuchel? And, and particularly his dominance over Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, who's, who seem to be you know on the upper echelon, you know, the top point oh 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 one percent of coaches in world football, are we starting to see a change in tide in terms of it's not just good enough to have an identity for your team and set them up for success, but being able to make those changes in-game and being a mm. true tactician over the course of 90 minutes, is that becoming more valued now? And are we sort of seeing that shift right before our very eyes with Thomas Tuchel and his ability. Now, you
0: obviously have to have the players to
1: be able to make those changes and to be able to do that sort of plug and play.
0: Yeah, because Tottenham were the better side, arguably, in the first half of that game. They they dominated the first half an hour of the game against Chelsea at the weekend. And then there was a bit of a stalemate that crept in for the final 15 minutes of the half. But then, lo and behold, N'Golo Kante comes on. I mean, what... What an embarrassment of riches to be able to bring angolo yeah. Conte onto the game, <laughs> onto the field at halftime. Now, I think they're trying to wrap him in cotton wool a little bit because the injuries are starting to mount up for angolo yeah. He's covered a lot of ground over the last, you know, four or five, six seasons with a lot of trophies. <laughs> I, think, I think, well, yeah, I think a lot of it is carrying all his medal haul around. I mean, that was weighing down because he's been uh, so successful in, in recent years. But it seems like Tuchel
1: clearly has the number of Pep Guardiola and has this ability in game to sort of really change the complexion and, and just sort of leave the opposition wondering what happened when it's all said and done.
0: What I like about Thomas Tuchel is, is his humility. He isn't afraid, not necessarily to say I got it wrong, but my tactics in the first half have not worked. So I'm not going to blame the players. Um, he 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 did similar with um, with Saul the week before against Aston Villa. Yeah. He wanted to get 90 minutes out of him because he didn't want to have to play Jorginho. It, it, and it didn't work because mm-hmm. Villa had three against two in the midfield and Jacob Ramsey was running a mock against Saul uh, Niguez, who lost the ball 10 times. So Thomas Tuchel had to say, you know what, I'm going to have to swallow this pill. I'm going to have to bring Jorginho on. And it worked perfectly. Yes, they were gifted a, a goal with the bad, bad back pass by... Um, by uh, Tyrone Mings, but you know Chelsea were dominant in the second half, and likewise against Chelsea, when he made that tactical switch, they were absolutely dominant against a bedraggled, dispirited Tottenham Hotspur bedraggled. Bedraggled. team. What a bedraggled. word! That is, yeah. Wow. It's it's that's a corker. I might bring Can I can I steal? Can I steal that for the next broadcast? Is that okay? It's all yours. It's all okay. yours. I, I, in fact, bedraggled. I insist that you say it in the next oh, in the next broadcast. Um, but there was, I mean, it was 3-0 It could have been five or six. In the end. So, yes, Chelsea and uh, Thomas Tuchel, you're seeing his value as a coach that he can affect games within games and not all managers can do that. I mean, Pep Guardiola, I mean, we're not going to criticize him and, and his in-game management, but he often doesn't make many substitutions, Pep. Yeah. He, he kind of sends out a team and says, right, you guys, I'm going to rotate you for the next game. So I need 90 minutes out of you. And he just basically says, one. see if you can beat
1: us. You know, that's yeah. basically his yeah. mentality. He's like, I yeah. know that I have one of the best teams in the world. I set them up for success. Let's see if you can beat us. You know, that's yeah. that's more or less his mentality. We're too cool. And it's not just a good footballing coach attribute to have, but I think it's a good attribute in life to have to swallow your pride and say, the way that I intended this to go is not how it's going right now. I'm big enough to realize that and take a look in the mirror. And we're just going to adjust accordingly. And we're going to and we're going to come out on top in the end. I think that that's such an amazing quality to have as a human being, especially when you're in that position, you're in charge of Chelsea, you can you know, that sort of power and that sort of success Mm. can go to somebody's head. Sometimes But, you know, Tuchel, for whatever reason, you know, has this ability to just sort of say, right, I got it wrong. We're not set up properly. Here's how we're going to fix it. Let's go out and win the game now.
0: The game I will be at, 11.30 Central Time, NBC, the community stadium in West London. It's Brentford against Liverpool. Now, I love watching any game involving Liverpool because they just bring intensity attacking football and and they're a joy to watch. Yes, we Brentford, are. you. I really, really enjoyed watching Brentford on the opening night of the season against, on that Friday night against Arsenal. You know, they've got Ivan Tony up, up top who started scoring goals, eight points from five games. Now, I can tell you of a, a number of teams that have come up from the championship. Let's, let's uh, for example, we used Fulham last season. Just couldn't string any results together, they were in the mire from the get go last season because they just couldn't score goals. Ivan Tony will score goals for Brentford, yeah, and they are collecting points at the start of the season. They're like squirrels, and I'm gonna, they're not the bees, they're the squirrels. It's like collecting nuts because they need to, you need the collection of nuts to sustain you through the long dark winter. Do you see where I'm going with that? So I, the more I, nuts I you, the, the more do. nuts boa constrictor nuts on SMP. Now nuts. we got the nut. Now we got the yeah. nuts, yeah. you know. We got the
1: squirrel. This squirrels. is this you know, is a it. clip. We need to clip this off for social media purposes and seeing you with the with you know like Im- imagining as yourself as a squirrel with you yeah. know, a mouthful of nuts right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean you wait till the boa constrictor the, the West London Derby is the boa constrictors against the squirrels. You know that that's going to be that's <laughs> it's going to be fascinating chelsea against brentford my money's but, on the boa constrictor <laughs> yeah me too me too but but brentford are, are gathering points and 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 it's vital they do so because there will be a, a, a patch of the season and when the games are coming thick and fast, I'm thinking about Christmas and you know the squad depth is tested, and, and they are going to be tested. But only Man City have conceded fewer shots on target. Only two teams, including City, have, have conceded um, more shots at goal. Defensively, with the back three, and they've got two very good wing-backs, Canos and uh, Rico Henry, and they are they are solid defensively. They've got two very good foraging central midfielders, and then Tony and, Bu- and Buena up front, and they are very, very good. Um, Not good enough, I don't think. To, to overcome Liverpool, but the whole experience at the community stadium, the Hey Jude, the Beatles song yeah. and just the joy on people's faces for Brentford. Their first top flight season since 1946, 47. It is a wonderful feel good story and they will give it a damn good go. So if Liverpool are anything other than at it as they were at Leeds in that last away game, they'll be in trouble. But I've, I think Liverpool have been mightily impressive so far this season.
1: If this were last year and with all the injuries that we- we had in those teams who would hunker down and hit us on the counter. Like this is the type of game that we would lose last year. Um, and, and but I, I think that the, the ship has been put back on the right direction with with this group. And I think that now everybody's healthy. You've got a great performance out of some of your rotational guys. Um in the Carabao Cup, you know, Minamino gets a brace, Di Um, you know, he got some minutes for some younger guys. So I think that this is a group that, you know, when when it comes to these types of games where it's on the road, you know, it's gonna be a lively environment. And, and Brentford is going to sit in and they're stingy defensively. Um, I, I think that this is the type of game where you're going to see them, you know, maybe eke it out. I, I don't think that they're going to thrash Brentford. I don't, I don't think it's that type of game. But, you know, the, the games are starting to come fast and furious. I mean, you know, just this, this statistic really blows my mind about Virgil van Dijk and the impact that he's had with Liverpool. Liverpool have lost only eight games from 100 Premier League games that Virgil van Dijk has played.
0: Eight. Crazy absolutely Unbelievable. crazy and, and he has he has returned and it's like he's never been away he's better in my eyes. i mean like other, other than the
1: first game where he needed to just sort of get his footing and realize that he was playing competitive football game at, at, at the highest level again other than that opening game i thought that he has i think that he has been absolutely sensational i think that whether it's ibrahim kanate next to him or whether it's joe gomez or joel matip the backline for liverpool is 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 totally firmed up right now and and Costa Simikas has proven to be, you know, somebody that they can use. Uh, if Andy Robertson, yeah. you know, he puts a lot of miles uh, on the odometer. He's sort of like N'Golo Kante in that way. You know, he's he plays 135,000% every single game. And, you know, there are going to be some injuries that come with it. Simikas has proven that he belongs in this squad. Naby Keita continues to make a make a point that he belongs in the squad. and And there's a lot of competition for a number of different positions on the field. And and you know what more can you say about Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, and and Diogo Jota, and and Roberto Mm. Firmino when he comes in? I mean, those three just continue to you know defy the laws of physics. And and Mohamed Salah is is probably from a physical standpoint as fit as he's ever been. Um, You know, when he took off his shirt um, with that game, he had muscles
0: next to his rib cage that I never knew existed. No, did you see the muscles? Yeah, like literally under his pecs on on his side, but his ribs there are. It's like there's a hand underneath his skin. You don't have those. I, I don't think I, I, can, I ever had those. I can those. get
1: you. I can get you on the on the workout program that me Mo and uh, A Dub
0: are on. Well, I know. Mean, well, A Dub's yeah. A yeah. It, Adab's nodding, is pretty so, spelled. So this, in. Yeah,
1: he's he's yeah. worn sleeveless a couple of times on on these Zoom calls. He likes to show it off a little bit. I listen. Yeah, if he yeah. got it yeah. it. I mean, that's what my grandmother always said.
0: It, I mean, there isn't an ounce of fat on Mohamed Salah. He is a fantastic athlete, and look, he's getting up there in terms of age. You know, 28, 29 now, um, but he has. Is that, is that old
1: now? Am I? Am well, I? Well, I mean, am I getting yeah, up there?
0: You're, yeah, you're not going to make it as a Premier League football. I think it's time that we, uh, we you know, you, we scratch that? this needs to settle no. and 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 your chances will go down 10% after two nights in Scottsdale with all your buddies on that. It'll, it'll party. go down 35%. Yeah, that'll kill a month's worth of fitness. Exactly. So he he is just extraordinary. And and what I love about Liverpool this year, after the disappointments of last year, is that they, they put it behind them completely. It was traumatic, the amount of injuries that they had. And, and, and it might have been easy for them you know, I, I said to Mo Salah after the game at Leeds, I said, you know, the last couple of seasons, you ha- it was like lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Champions League, well, Champions League runners-up, then Champions League winners and, you know, runners-up with 97, 98 points, or whatever it was, and then winning the Premier League title with, you know, games to spare, record number of games to spare. And and the, the sort of rock and roll, gang and football um, that was being played. Could you, after a, effectively a season off, could you, as a club, as a team, can you rediscover that? And they have. They absolutely have. The intensity at which they are playing, it's like last season didn't happen. Last and season what, hasn't affected them.
1: Yeah. And that's what we talked about, you know, during our Premier League preview was that everybody wasn't really counting Liverpool in as a, as a possible mm. contender because we simply just didn't know. We didn't know what this group was going to look like after that lightning in a bottle, the season that they had with all the injuries, particularly on the back line. Um, barely sneaking into Champions League, needing an allison header um, in order to keep their chances alive against West Brom. And now here they are and they're proving everybody. And, you know, as a Liverpool fan, obviously I'm going to say, why shouldn't they be able to, you know, recapture that glory and recapture that form that they had? Because it's more or less the same team outside of Ginny Wijnaldum and maybe add a few pieces on as well. But, You know, this is this is a group that, again, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a three or four Liverpool win. I don't think they're going to thrash Brentford. I think Brentford is up for it. I do think that they're good enough to stay up Brentford. Certainly, Um, you know, one of those places has already been taken by Norwich. Um, But, you know, I think that this is a group that um, is going to continue to find ways to to grind out these types of games, because if they are going to win the Premier League, there's no other choice than to win every single game out, you know, outside of the, the games against United City and Chelsea. I mean yeah. like we talked about you cannot afford to drop points with this competitive of a Premier League and with four teams that are bu- that are all very much in the Premier League title race you cannot drop points against Brentford and I think we'll see that from Liverpool.
0: Well after Brentford and I again I can't wait for that game. I actually stay in London which suits me just fine. I love spending time <laughs> down there. It just is the 100 100- <laughs> yeah it is the 190th North London derby Arsenal against Tottenham. Now <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a North London derby with such little consequence at at the business end of, (laughs) of the table. As this one, but here's the thing, and you know that, that I hate to use the phrase Spurs. Mean? Arsenal's in a relegation battle. There's there's plenty there's plenty of, there's plenty of confidence. yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's a six pointer <laughs> at the wrong yeah. end of the table, perhaps. But so Spurs win their opening three games of the season by a goal to nil. Arsenal lose their first three games of the season without scoring. So going into the first international break, Tottenham are top and Arsenal are bottom. The first time that has ever happened, albeit the caveat, you know, it was only after three games. The way it's gone since, should Arsenal win 3 0, and that is not beyond the realms of possibility Mm -hmm. um, on Sunday at the Emirates, they go above Tottenham three games later because Tottenham will have lost all three games 3 0, and Arsenal will be above them on goal difference. And it's going to be very, very difficult for for Tottenham. You know, they've lost, excuse me, they've won one of their last 28 Premier League visits to Arsenal. That's Highbury. And the Emirates. One in 28. But Arsenal have lost both London derbies so far. They've not lost three in a row since 93. So they lost against Brentford. They lost against uh, Chelsea. But Tottenham, in their opening five games, have scored as many goals in the Premier League as they did in the last 20 minutes of the final game of last season against Leicester. They've mm. scored three. They haven't scored from open play since the opening game of the season. Hummingson, Son, fabulous goal. The, there's been a penalty. There's been a direct free yeah. kick. So it's Paul, Harry Kane, four shots in four appearances, three on target. He didn't was a ridiculous, touch the ball. There was
1: a ridiculous statistic that I saw that Joel Matip has more touches inside the penalty area in the Premier League this season than Harry it. Kane.
0: I believe what does that it? even mean? So, that, so Harry Kane didn't even touch the ball in the opposition penalty area at Crystal Palace last week. So it's his 250th Premier League appearance. I mean, like, the man has just been remarkable. 166 goals he's scored. Only three players... In, in 249 games, in the first 249 games, have scored more goals. And it's the usual three. It's Shearer, Aguero, Thierry Henry. Um, so Harry Kane needs to find his scoring boots. Um... And, and this is going to be a real test for, for Tottenham Hotspur. And, and what I like about Arsenal, one of the few things I think, the redeeming qualities. Gabriel at the back, and they stood firm against Burnley. And they, you know, the battering that you take from yeah. Burnley, getting it in the mix of big Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes and elbows flying everywhere. Gabriel stands up to the, to the physical test. Mm-hmm. And Arsenal have won seven straight games that he's started in the Premier League and only conceded, two goals so yeah. he is emerging as 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 a key man in that defense. Ben White needs to smarten up a little bit, you know, if he, he's he's made a few mistakes so far, but he's a quality footballer. And I just get the sense with Thomas Partey back as well that Arsenal are starting to just stiffen a little bit. They get a little bit tougher. And they're getting a little bit harder to break well, down. that was well,
1: that was the that was the gripe with them coming into this season and everything that happened last year was that there was just no soul of this team. There was no, no, no grit. There was no there was no grit, there was no hardness, there was just nobody to really just, you know, say, You're you're in it, you're in it with us. Mm. You know, this is going mm. to be 90 minutes of hell. Um, but, you know, Gabriel has, has done well. And I, like you said, I think that he has given them that sort of bite that they've been looking for to sort of deal with these harder Premier League teams that, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, it's not for whatever reason, we know why, but these teams are not afraid to play Arsenal. They, you know, Arsenal, like Chelsea, like City, like Liverpool, like United, they need to be feared. You know, they mm. like, they, they need to, they don't strike that, they don't instill that in the opposition anymore. And Gabriel is at least helping them get to that point.
0: So, 10.30am Central Time on Sunday, the 190th North London derby. Arsenal against Tottenham, I'll have the call of that on NBCSN. Okay, big news coming out of Major League Soccer this week. You may have heard about this. It is the League's Cup. So, the Seattle Sounders... Went down by three goals to two in Las Vegas. I mean, what a gig that must have been! You uh, were just the there. You, you already yeah, want to yeah. go back. You're jealous yeah. of it already. Of course, and, but, yeah. but working there, I would find very, very difficult. The 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 FOMO. I think I'd overdose. Even on FOMO, Even two know hours know? away from the blackjack table wouldn't yeah, be too yeah. much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm you know I'm I'm not staying in the night before doing stickers in Vegas. Put it that yeah. way. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> I'm out drifting off into the night down the strip somewhere. But anyway, what a great venue for 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 a major soccer match and the, and the crowd was pretty good disappointment for, for the seattle sounders but the, here is a vehicle tyler the leagues cup with uh, Liga mx and, and major league soccer that's going to be very different for the third edition next season so explain to everybody what has been announced this week and how big this could be for, for major league soccer
1: so essentially they came out and there's been all these rumors that you know mls and league mx were, were thinking about potentially joining and merging and having that sort of league and that It's too complicated to do that. But I think that, you know, given the interest in League MX and how they consistently outdraw uh, viewership um, of Premier League uh, in the United States, obviously given the demographic and, you know, you have a a lot of, um, you know, Mexican-Americans who are are in the United States and love to watch their teams, um, you know, and they do so on Univision and they draw incredible numbers. And you're just sort of like thinking to yourself, there has to be a way to sort of combine these two teams outside of Champions League. Because CONCACAF Champions League is brief, you know, particularly with the pandemic, it's been sporadic in terms of the game spread out. So what MLS and League MX basically came out and said was we're in starting in 2023, we're gonna have a World Cup format where every single team from MLS and League MX is going to be involved. It's going to be a month-long competition. Both teams are going to take a break from their domestic play wow. um, within the summer, and they are going to compete for League's Cup. Now, a few things go into this. My initial reaction is. Wow, this is pretty effing cool. That's my initial reaction. Start to think about it a little more. This is a lot on the players. If uh, Are we getting rid of U.S. Open Cup? What are we going to do with Champions League? This is harder to win than Champions League, hands down. Every single team from the two top teams in CONCACAF. You know, you think about some of the Central American teams that come into play with Champions League. This is much more difficult and much more taxing and there are Champions
0: that, League places on offer. And as there well, are three
1: there? Champions League places on the line now. The I would imagine that the prize money and the gravitas, and of course, getting to the you know FIFA Club World Cup is the carrot um, at the very long end of the road, um, you know, for Champions League. But you can get there with League's Cup. And if you are an MLS team that you know is is thinking about rotation and thinking about keeping guys fit and when to mm. use them, it's difficult to not take this seriously. You go even deeper and you're thinking to yourself, well, how is MLS really going to compete with these league MX clubs when it's a free market and there really aren't any restrictions south of the border and we're still dealing with TAM, with GAM, with young DPs, with DPs, with young money and all of these, you know, financial restrictions that MLS has. Are they going to have to loosen up the reins if we are truly going to compete with, you know, in League's Cup directly with these League MX teams for years to come? So it's a very interesting proposition. I think the TV deal for this, you know, as far as the dollars are concerned, are going to be astronomical compared to to years past and compared to competitions past. But um, this is a really, really, really big announcement coming out of both of these leagues, in particular for MLS um, and, you know, this continues to just drive the game home and continue to build momentum heading into the World Cup in 2026, hosted by the US, Canada and Mexico.
0: I think this is absolutely fascinating. And, and you know, one thing that, that I'll be keeping a close eye on is that TV deal, Tyler, because it, it is possible that per year, the deal for the League's Cup will be worth more than the deal that MLS gets no for, doubt. for its domestic rights. No doubt. Um, because this this opens it up to a to a whole new audience, and and also, you know, g- any any games that are played in in, in MLS stadiums against any of the me- the big Mexican clubs, you're going to have genuine amounts, thousands of away fans. The atmosphere. It won't at be these an game. away game. It won't, won't be an away be, game. It, it,
1: It'll, it'll be, be every insane. every game every game outside of Ohio and maybe Sporting Kansas City will be a home game for the Liga MX sides. That's just the right. way that it goes. That's why the U.S. men's national team doesn't play games outside of Ohio. No, you know, when it comes to World no, Cup but qualifiers. can you?
0: But but within the population in say a city like Chicago, that there would be huge divides between Cruz Azul, uh, Club León, and Tigres. So they won't all be. You know, it's not like going to support the Mexican team. But I is think it?
1: that they'll go out and support their even their rival clubs against MLS oh, clubs and it'll become right. like a Mexico versus U.S. That's at least how I'm looking at it. By proxy. Um, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. I mean, but um, this is this is huge. I mean, this is a really, really big deal and it changes the landscape of, of you know, football between these two leagues.
0: If it's, um, if it's 2023 and if it's, a, if it's a self-contained month-long tournament, I'm totally on board, but they might have to shave off four to six games from the regular season. Make it just a thirty-game regular season, which is which is increasingly difficult because of the amount of teams that are in Major League Soccer in the two conferences. Maybe it's just home and away within your conference. But Bruce, like Bruce Arena
1: that. can, yeah, Bruce Arena continues to make that point. He says we have to move to conferences because he's basically saying there's no other team in the world, there's no other leagues in the world that are doing yeah. doing the travel that Major League Soccer teams are doing. You know, you're not traveling thirty five thousand yes. miles over the course of a premier league season, you know, anything yeah. is what a five or six hour drive away for the most part.
0: Yeah. Um, well, there's, there isn't a five or six hour drive for me. I mean, the, the furthest away is probably three or four hours. Yeah. So it's very rare that I, that I, that I stay away, but, but by and large, this idea for the league's cup, I'm very much on board with it.
1: Arlo, some, uh, some recognition is in order uh, at least on this pod which of course is uh, you know one of the top 10 pods uh, in Apple charts as far as football is concerned. Um, for Ted lasso and and some of your colleagues yes. and the unbelievable job that they have done and they just racked up the awards. Uh, oh the my
0: Innings. goodness they I mean they were like the Manchester City of, of of television programs you know in terms of the amount or the N'Golo conte mm. of, of television programs in, in, in terms of the amount of silverware that they scooped um on Sunday at the Emmys I mean it, it it actually sickens me how talented these people are you know sickens and, and you? yeah well I'm just delighted because I just I just can't I mean I can't imagine being this talented and and this good at, at, at what I do that that these people are I mean you know playing yourself as a football commentator is not a stretch so I'm not in any of these categories and <laughs> I don't get to see any of the silverware sadly but but Jason Sudeikis Brendan Hunt's you know brett goldstein uh, he's here he's there is every effing where roy kent and Hannah waddington you know they're just four of the of the of a, of a mm-hmm. very very talented bunch and they all scooped um, emmys and i think the show got the best comedy as well and just just so happy to be a part of that um and happy for them because it is a fantastic tv program if you haven't seen it yet it's on apple plus Uh, We're about halfway through the second season and there's a third season to come. And it's just fantastic. I'm just delighted with Jason and Brendan, whose whose vision this was when we started it um, eight years ago or so, when we did a couple of promos you know, that were just kind of off the cuff for uh, NBC's coverage of the Premier League. So they absolutely dominated the Emmys on Sunday night. Um, I was watching Sunday night football at the time. The Emmys weren't on here. I was having a late night and just watching on Twitter as the award after award after award <laughs> was, uh, was given to them. So congratulations to all my, uh, my colleagues at Ted Lasso for a, a magnificent night at the Emmys. And here's to Arlo for uh, 2022 uh, Best Supporting uh, Role in, in a Comedy. Best That's sports the- announcer playing a sports announcer, and if uh, we've got to get that category going, and if we get yeah. number one podcast, if we get you know if, if we really dominate mm-hmm. the podcast sphere in the football world, then maybe people will will take notice. Maybe, just maybe. You never know. Enjoy your two days. Oh. Get back safe and sound, mm-hmm. and then no we'll. Uh, re- should we reconvene on Monday for a MNP? MNP. Monday night pod. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, Monday night pod. Uh, but but before we do that, Arlo, where can uh, Where can our fans uh, listen to you this weekend? Well,
0: 06.30 Saturday is a big one. NBCSN for Chelsea Man City. I'm on the call 11.30 Central Saturday morning on NBC for Brentford, Liverpool. Then on Sunday, the aforementioned 190th North London Derby, Arsenal, Tottenham, 10.30 a.m. Central Time, NBCSN.
1: On this side of the pond, Tony and I will be on the call on WGN and Chicago Fire FC Live as usual. And now that it's a home game, you should be able to find us on ESPN Plus as well if you're outside of the Chicago area. And we'll be at noontime Central Time as they take on second place Nashville SC. Gary Smith, CJ Sapong, Dax McCarty, Hani Mukhtar coming to town for what should be an electric affair. Folks, get out to Soldier Field. It's going to be a beautiful day along the lakefront. Um, and we're very much looking forward to seeing you there. But if you can't get there for whatever reason, and you really shouldn't have any excuses, then you can tune in at new time on WGN or Chicago
0: Fire FC Live. Enjoy your shenanigans. Talk to you Monday.